G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. In our maturing, we need to go from milk to strong meat. And in today's program, we're going to get a good taste of strong meat as we continue to learn the glorious Sermon on the Mount. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah. Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we are learning the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, the glorious story of Jesus himself, and learning that he is indeed the promised Messiah that the Hebrew prophets said was coming many centuries before. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. And learning the Sermon on the Mount is an amazing journey. Wonderful principles, lofty, glorious, holy and righteous, but they are also very high, so high that you really need to partner with God and by His grace, you can fulfill them. You wouldn't be able to do it in your own strength. So we're going to have a good section here of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verses 21 to 32. And I call this lesson Strong teaching. Why do you call or hear it as strong teaching? Because what you're about to hear is incredible. For example, verse 22 says, and it's talking about the commandment not to kill anyone, because if you kill anyone, you're in danger of the judgment. But Matthew 5, 22 tells us that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Pretty strong words. And I guess what makes them even more unnerving is that we are all probably guilty of transgressing this command in one way or another to some degree or the other. And it doesn't just stop there. It goes further. It speaks about the issue of adultery, divorce, remarriage. Now, there's many hot potato issues, but I have to say that divorce and remarriage has got to be among the hottest of all the issues we face in the Christian church, because the words of Jesus come across very strong and, dare I say, uncompromised. We will look at this down the track, and we will do so with reverence, with a high regard for Scripture, and of course, a deep regard for the Savior, and to see if we can unpack this thing so it actually sits right and makes 
sense, or at least as much sense as can be with the natural mind as helped by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to learn in this particular segment on the Sermon on the Mount about strong teaching. If you are angry without reason, you're in trouble. If you have, as it were, estrangement with another party, before you conduct business as usual, reconcile, fix that relationship. So it is right. We're taught to agree with our adversary on the way. And then we get to the issue of adultery. And, you know, somewhere along the line, we do need to talk about these things because they're very ever-present in our world. And we do need God's clear guidance so that we can live in the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus will go on to make statements like, if your right eye offends you, pluck it and cast it out. It's better that you enter into eternal life with only one eye than keep two eyes and be cast into hell. Now, wow, when's the last time you heard a message like that? And here it is, straight from the Savior's mouth. And while some people would be tempted to spiritualize it or to say, Jesus didn't really mean it, I've learned never make such assumptions that Jesus didn't mean it. Well, he probably did mean it. But as you notice, there's not a lot of one-eyed Christians out there. And then there is the issue of divorce. As I said, a hot potato issue. And one that does need to be explored comprehensively, biblically, compassionately, faithful to Scripture, and yet somehow sitting with the whole tenor of God's plan for humanity. We have a lot to cover. Stay tuned. Now I'm going to read the entire portion, and then we're going to dissect it as best we can, bit by bit, verse by verse. The reading is from Matthew 5, 21 to 32. The lesson is called Strong Teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, and again it's Matthew 5, verses 21 to 32. This is the word of the Lord, so let's listen. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison." Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, 
and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. This reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 to 32, and our lesson is called Strong Teaching. Well, friends, welcome to the Sermon on the Mount. And you know, because Jesus loves us so much and we love him, we're going to do business here and learn what he's trying to say verse by verse. The background. Jesus is in the middle of giving his famous sermon on the hills of Galilee. After giving the Beatitudes and teaching about salt and light, righteousness and integrity, Jesus gets into some practical, heavenly, and at times heavy teaching. So first of all, verses 21 and 22 of Matthew 5, anger without reason. Jesus not only upholds the law of Moses, which, for example, includes the Ten Commandments, he goes even deeper than what Moses did. Jesus reminds us that there is the Sixth Commandment, the prohibition against murder, which endangers the guilty towards eternal judgment. But he goes deeper. It's not enough to refrain from plunging a knife or pulling the trigger on a gun and taking someone's life. If you are angry without a cause, you will be in danger of judgment. Now, that may be temporal judgment, not necessarily just eternal. We have to be open both ways. If you call your brother Raka, you'll be censured by the council. Now, the council I believe he's referring to could be the Sanhedrin, which is the very council he faced and Paul faced uh, and Stephen faced in their time. So, the word Raka, R-A-C-A, means worthless, vain, empty. If that's what you call your brother, you could be rebuked by the council. However, whoever calls his brother a fool, and this means somebody who's an apostate, a rebel against God, a backslider, is in danger of hell fire. Now, hell fire, of course, could mean what we understand it as the fire of hell itself. It could also mean the Valley of Hinnom, west of Jerusalem, which was the prototype of hell itself. It was a place of pagan sacrifice, burial of foreigners, and perpetual fire from the burning of rubbish. It can mean the real hell, as I've just said. So, really, whether it's a temporal or eternal punishment, the message is the same. We need to watch our mouth, and we need to watch our attitude. Again, I'd like to quote Bob Gass. It's a great quote he gives. And it's something to the effect of, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you aren't going anywhere. Good words from Bob, but even better words from Jesus. Now we've got reconciliation. Matthew 5, verses 23 to 24. Before offering your gift or sacrifice to God, 
you know your offended brother or that you have offended your brother, then leave your gift, your sacrifice, your service at the altar. Go away and be reconciled with your brother. After that, you can offer your gift to God. I think that's fairly simple. Offering a gift to God, a sacrifice, is part of what we call worshiping God and reconciling with God. And we should reconcile with God. In fact, saying yes to the gospel is the ultimate reconciliation with God. Because until we reconcile with God, we're in trouble. We have a sin issue. The sin issue would drag us down to the depths of death and hell. The gospel separates us from the sin issue. It reconciles us to God. But the message here is, what's the point of trying to be reconciled with God when you are at odds with your brother? I mean, God, you can't even see. Your brother, you can. And if you can't reconcile with the one you see, how do you think you're going to reconcile with the one that you don't yet see? Reconcile to your brother and then offer your gift to God. Matthew 5, verses 25 and 26, we learn about agreeing with our adversary. So if you happen to have an adversary, and I know many of us are nice people and who possibly could be our enemy, but the fact is, when we're on Jesus' side, we're no longer on the devil's side, and the devil will stir up some people against us. So we need to agree. And even sometimes, it's not that the devil has done anything, we've done it ourselves. Self-inflicted wounds, we've offended somebody, and they become adversarial. So if you have an adversary, come to agreement very, very soon. If not, you will be delivered to the judge, then the officer, and then cast into prison. There will be no release until you've paid the last penny. Spare yourself a lot of grief by agreeing with the adversary before it comes to all that. Now, while it doesn't explicitly state this, I can give you one very pertinent example. If you owe money, and in a sense, this particular dictum can be related to that. Do you know that it is the right thing, the honorable thing, the God-fearing thing to pay your debts? Don't make excuses and don't think, well, because they're a Christian, they ought to be lenient with me, or they should even forgive the debt. No, they don't need to forgive the debt. You owe the debt. Whether it is in money or whether it is in a responsibility, pay up, do what is right, be trustworthy, show some integrity. Because if you don't do the right thing, it'll eventually catch up with you and you'll be in far bigger trouble than you would have been if you had just done the right thing early on. As I said, spare yourself the grief. Then there's the seventh commandment, Matthew 5, 27, 28. You've heard it of old time, namely the time of Moses. Do not commit adultery. Yet in these times, the last times, the last days, I tell you that if you look and lust after a woman, you have committed adultery already in the heart. It may be hands-free adultery, but it gets the same penalty as hands-on adultery. I remember, or there's a story about former U.S. President Jimmy Carter when he was running for the presidency in the year 1976. He did an interview, and he said, well, look, uh, I have never committed adultery physically, but I've committed adultery many times in my heart. Jimmy Carter actually made the term born again a household phrase in the U.S. when he ran for president. Since then, it's, it's common currency in our vocabulary. And he was being just honest. 
And yet the media back then was going ballistic that somehow Jimmy Carter was this heinous adulterer, even though his adultery was not hands-on, but hands-off. Mind-on, eyes-on, but hands-off. Remember, from the Lord's point of view, it's got to be eyes-off, hands-off, and mind-off, the things we shouldn't be dwelling on. So Jimmy Carter was being open and candid, but it caused a stir. However, he's just really being biblical here. And it goes on then in verses 29 and 30 of Matthew 5, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Because if your right hand offend you and causes you to stumble, cut it off and cast it from you. In both cases, it's better to enter into life with one eye or one hand than to keep your body intact and cast into hell. Jesus tells us that offenses are inevitable. You read in Matthew 18, 7 and Luke 17, 1. Woe to the person or to the limb who causes that offense. They better have a millstone cast around their neck and thrown into the sea. Now, there's no wisdom in trying to spiritualize these words of Jesus. He meant them exactly as he said. So, you've got a choice. If your hand, your feet, your eyes are causing you to sin, your choice is pluck the offending limb out or cut it off. Obviously, pretty drastic. The other thing you can do, really the wise and relatively pain-free thing, is repent, bring the fruit of repentance, and show faith in the gospel. And then we've got the issue of divorce. Hot potato among Christians, much less so among Jews and Muslims. Now, because this topic is so important, and I have a lot to say on this topic, however, I have no time to say it in this segment, because time is just about run out. So have no fear, join with me next time, and first thing we will deal with is the issue of divorce. And of course, when it's divorce, it usually goes in hand with remarriage. It's one thing to divorce and stay divorced. It's another thing to divorce and remarry. And so, with this in mind, remember we'll deal with it in our next program. But our lesson is called Strong Teaching, and our lesson for life is this. When you grow up, it's time for the strong meat. When you mature in Christ, it's time to deal with the strong teaching. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.